The title of the sermon today is Poor in Spirit. And the sermon is centered on Acts chapter 3, 1 through 10. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms for those who entered the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from him. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Steve. Uh, I'd like to invite Tiffany up. Um, this tall man is Dimas Salabaris. He's a, a pastor, and this is Tiffany, his wife. Uh, Dallas and Scott are in uh, our classes. Fifteen years or so ago, uh, Dimas and I went through a church planting training program together. Uh, he went to Harlem and has planted a church, which is still there. And I came to Hoboken and planted a church, which is still here. And um, Tiffany has been scheming this whole time to try to marry me off so far unsuccessfully. And uh, they've come today uh, to bring a message. Uh, Dimas is going to preach. I encourage you to talk to Tiffany. She is a wonderful human being. And uh, as I said to Dimas, preach boldly, preach biblically, preach briefly. So he's promised to do all those things. All right, so Dimas, Tiffany. Thank you so much. We're so happy to be back at Redeemer Hoboken. Um, we haven't been here in a few years, and I have to say that Tony is one of our favorite, Pastor Tony is one of our favorite persons, and um, we're just so glad and grateful to be back here at Hoboken and ready to get into the Word. Amen. Amen. I love Tony. Tony's a great guy. Let's give Tony a round of applause. Appreciate This passes Appreciation Sunday. <laughs> so Tony told me I had two hours, so don't worry, I won't keep you long. We're going we're gonna to get into it. But let's, for a moment, let's just pray. Father God, we just thank you for this awesome day, God, that we can worship you on the Lord's day, that we can bring glory, honor, and praise to you. And Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable in your sight. You are my rock. You are my shield. And Father, we just honor you with all that we do. Bless this service. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know if many of you remember, but last Easter... Um, we were, at our, we were at church worshiping Jesus, and then we came home and heard about a terrible bombing that took place in Sri Lanka. And myself and a friend of mine very quickly made some phone calls, 
raised very close to about $16,000, and we took, the, as fast as we could, a flight into Sri Lanka. We got there on the ground. You saw media was everywhere. Um, we started driving around to the different churches, and then on our way, we didn't have the mission fully down what we were going to do, but we met this guy who went to a Catholic church, and he was Buddhist, and his wife and daughter were killed. And he said, I'm going to take you to as many victims as we could. And we took the money, we exchanged the money, and we started to go house to house all throughout Sri Lanka. We went to 60 houses and paid people's rent for two months. And when I would walk in, and just to describe what happened, um, these, these people would put together these bombs, and then they would load it up the bag with all these tiny uh, ball bearings, like these little metal balls, so that when it would explode, it would shoot out like bullets all over the place and, and take a lot of lives. And we were going from house to house, and I remember walking in many times to what would look like to us a garage. And I would walk in, and I remember seeing this three-year-old child on the floor with bead marks all in, all in her back. And she was just there. And then when we came in and we would pray for them and we would talk to them as best we could, then you would see this joy burst all over their faces. I remember one girl, I had to take a picture of her. She had her, her, the bomb in one location and messed up her leg. But we walked in and she was just praising Jesus and just so grateful. And she was a teenager around 15. And then finally, uh, we were allowed to go into the church service. This was the first church service after the bombing. They moved it to a different location. And I watched as family after family carried in the victim and would lay them down. And I had the privilege for the first time in my life to preach authentically to the persecuted church. And I started to think a little bit and reflect deeply what would that have been like if it was America? And I, I've been to every church shooting in the United States. There's not one that I've missed. Even the synagogue that happened in Pittsburgh, my family and I showed up there. Because God has called us to minister to the brokenhearted. God has called us to minister to those that are poor in spirit, empty and destitute and hurting. And I remember going there, and many times I could tell you what happened. In the United States, most of the victims do not show up to church. But there was something different about Sri Lanka that the victims thought that the most important thing, even if they couldn't walk, carry me to the gates of the house of the Lord. And I want to tell you, and this is my challenge. Tony said I could be bold, be brief, and be gone. Or was that bold, be black, and be gone? I don't know. It was three B's. Oh, biblical. There we go. I just want to tell you, there is something about our Christianity 
there has to be richer. There has to be more authentic. There has to be more powerful. And one of the things that you understand in when you glance at these scriptures is the disciples had a very robust prayer life. At this time, it says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple of the hour of prayer, which was the ninth hour, which was three o'clock. What's oddly about that is that's the same hour they said of Jesus' death. It was the ninth hour. And as far as we can understand, some kind, there was no watches, there were no clocks, but there was some kind of bell that the Romans would do. And the Jewish community said, when that bell goes off, that's going to be our signal to pray. And the Christians said, you know what? When that bell goes off, we're going to be praying as well. We're going to go in there and we're going to pray with the Jews. This is before the separation, you know, where they started to pray on their own. But they were going in there to pray for an hour. And what we knew from, from historical accounts as well is that the church of yesteryear was going, the New Testament church was also going at 9 a.m. in the morning to pray. And one guy that always stuck with his name was Ian Bound. He wrote this. He said, little prayer, little power, much prayer, much power. And I'm telling you, as someone who preaches all around in different places, everywhere I go, I'm seeing Christians being pounded by divorce. I'm seeing people's marriages getting smashed. I see people getting clobbered by Satan all over the place. I see people's lives, even pastors, killing themselves. And then it just begs me to wonder, could this be? Because the enemy is real. Satan is real. I'm telling you, the devil is real. Do you preach that here, Tony? Is that that's cool? Okay. Satan is real. And he hates us. And he wants to destroy our lives. And I'm telling you, our lack of praying, our little 15-minute devotional is not even close. I would believe that Paul would rebuke us today for the lack of our faith and trust in Christ. But I'm telling you, if you increase your prayer life to some long blocks of time, Maybe we would see things like what we see in the scriptures. Maybe we'll see the power of God show up. Maybe we'll see the power of God overcome this worldliness. I've committed my life right now to praying four hours a day. Every single day, seven days a week, without a waiver. And I'm telling you, the more I pray, the more I begin to see this world stripped away. The more I pray, I can't even watch cursing on TV like the way I used to. The more I pray, the more desperate I get for Jesus. The more I want Jesus inside of me. The more I want Jesus in my family. The more I want Jesus in my marriage. I'm telling you, there's something about when we tap into God, that God just shows up in miraculous ways. And I started to think about this man, this lame man. Can you imagine his situation, waking up, friends, or either it could be, you know, I've met beggars, that that's their job and they have someone overseeing them and gets a cut. 
So I'm hoping it could be someone like that or it could be a bunch of friends, but they're carrying him and they're laying him at the gate called Beautiful. Knowing that when people are going into church and they're coming out, we don't want to be like hypocrites. Somebody asked me for a dollar coming out of church, you're going to get a dollar. So it was strategic to place him at that gate. And I'm sure, you know, we have the New York and New Jersey look where when we're on a train, we know how to look a certain way. That means I don't see you, you don't see me, that's it. And you can come on and scream and say I'm feeding the homeless or whatever. If you have that look on and all of us, if you lived in New Jersey or New York long enough, you know how to make that look. It means do not disturb. I am a shell. I'm here and I'm not here. But what's different about the disciples is when he was begging and asking, they, they said to him, look at me. They told him, pay attention to me. I want your attention. Stare at me. I'm paraphrasing, but, but look at me. And then they said to him, silver and gold I do not have. What's up here? Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. Now, I don't think Peter was lying. Think about it. Jesus just came in John 21 and told him, shut down the fishing business. I need you to be preachers. I need you to go out there and feed my sheep. I need you to go out there and tell people about Jesus. So these disciples are walking with very little resources, but a lot of faith. Can you imagine they watched bread and a little bit of fish feed 5,000 people? They were not doubting about their supply. They knew their supply was coming from heaven. They knew Jesus was their supply. So they're walking with very little in their hand and very little in their pocket. And they see this man and the disciples, I'm telling you, were probably full of compassion, full of love. And they look at him and they say, I may not have what you want, but I have something that you really need. And by the power of God, they grabbed him, lifted him up. And Luke gives so much detail where, because he was a physician, strength came into their ankles. Strength came into his legs. Strength entered into his body. And God restored this man to full health. I want to encourage you. No matter what circumstance you go through, Jesus is the answer. No matter what you're battling, Jesus is the answer. No matter if you've been diagnosed with cancer, if someone you know is going through struggles, if you're having issues with your health, issues with your breathing, issues with your mind, Jesus can come through and help you. Cry out to Jesus. And if Jesus decides to not come through, then 
We have to do like the old church. We have to love Christ in the midst of our suffering. We have to rejoice in the midst of our suffering. We have to worship him in the midst of our suffering. I remember one time there was a Catholic uh, 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 a saint named St. Lawrence. And St. Lawrence was a deacon. And this is before the church split. This is when it just was one church. And, and Deacon Lawrence... You know, they, they started to murder, one of the emperors started to kill all of the deacons and actually killed the head of the church in Rome. But they knew that the deacon was responsible for the treasury and knew where all the resources were. So then the emperor said, I want you, one of his, one of his workers said, I want you to bring all the riches of the church to my, to my place. And he said, I need, he said, it's a lot. I need about three days in order to pull this off. And he said, I'll grant you three days, but I want to see you there with everything. So then Deacon Lawrence goes out, and he's blessing the poor and blessing everyone. And then he gathered all the cripple, all the lame, all the poor, all throughout the city, and he said, come with me. And he marches in to see the man. And the guy looks and says, what is this? And he tells him, he says, this, the poor, are the riches of the church. And the Bible, not the Bible, but historians say that they grabbed him and said, we're not going to just behead him like his other brothers, but we're going to burn him to death in a large pan. And by God's grace, they said, all reports show that while he was being burned, he was cracking jokes and saying, you need to get some more on the other side. You only got this side. You forgot about my back. And he was saying this. And, and today he is acknowledged as one of the people as to why a church was thriving in the, in the area of Rome. This is what's true to the gospel. We have to remember the poor. We have to serve the poor. I planted a church with my wife in a housing projects in the Bronx. We were launched out right around the same time as this church was birthed. And Tim Keller gave us resources and supplied us and said, where do you want to go? And I said, I want to go where the call is the loudest and the need is the greatest. I want to go into a housing projects and minister Jesus. We went into those projects where people were being murdered and killed on a regular basis. And just by the presence of the church and mobilizing the men to prayer walk our areas, there hasn't been a killing in that project for over 15 years to date. That's the power of God. The whole neighborhood, whether they believe like us or not, all rejoice. They all come out and say, this is one of the best things, and they know it was the church that made the difference. There's something about when we are passionate about Jesus and living out these scriptures. You know, one of the most worst interpreted scriptures in all the Bible is in Matthew 26. And I'll just read some of it. And in Matthew 26, it's when the woman came with the alabaster box. And she, you know, in verse 9 it says, For this fragrant oil, uh, the, the disciples were mad when she poured it out. They said, this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, 
Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For they have the poor always around you. But me, you do not have always around you. That's one of the most authentic descriptions of it. What Jesus was saying was not, hey, why are you doing this? Man, there's always going to be poor people to serve. No, what he was saying is, as you being my disciple, you will always be around the poor. You will always be ministering to the poor. You will always have the poor in mind. This is what Jesus was talking about when he was in this text. Because some of us like to use it as, well, you know, I don't have to care for them. Somebody else will care for them. Even in Galatians 2.10 it says, They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I also was eager to do. In 2 Corinthians 8.9 Paul said, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that through, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. In James 2 and 5, he says, Listen, my beloved, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith in heirs of the kingdom? So no matter where we are, I want to encourage you. There's three things I always try to keep in my life, and I want to challenge you to keep in yours. One is, I have very high-level friends. Well, I was just talking to a gentleman there recent, this week on Friday. I want to invite y'all. I have a movie that'll be in one theater in Manhattan on 2nd Avenue and 12th. It's called Emmanuel, where I went to the church shooting down in South Carolina. My wife and I and kids were first responders, went down there, ministered to the people there. And I'm telling you, Christians, we have given away some of the best ministries to the world. We've given away some of the best ministries to Red Cross and, and other things that are out there to say, you serve, you serve. We gave our hospitals away that most Christians started. You take them, you take them, you take them. And you can talk to many doctors. They're not doing a better job either. One of the ministries that the church had was responding to those in need and suffering. So my wife and I flew down there, ministered, to thousands of people out there, prayed with people, met the family members, and then a year later, some director we met wanted to do a movie. I'm talking fast because y'all have a very quick service. I'm not used to this quick. <laughs> so we went down there, partnered with Steph Curry, partnered with Viola Davis, did this movie, and then we're giving the money back to the families. The biggest gift I've ever given that I've never had. Back to the family. And uh, so this film is going to be coming out. And one of the things I want to tell you, going down there and ministering to the poor, ministering to the suffering, is one of the things that the church does better than anyone else. I can tell you, Red Cross has gone on. All the other groups have gone on. I'm the one still on the phone with the family members, still showing up for them, still going there. Why? Because it's not a job to us. It's a ministry to us. So I keep high-level friends. Then I keep peer-level friends, friends that are kind of where I'm at, that can speak into my life. I can speak into theirs, and we can hang out, and we're on the same social status, and, you know, I can go sailing with Tony or, or go do something else. But then what I always do is I keep a lower level of friends, those that don't have as much as me, those that my life can really bless. 
and then in return, they bless me. Because when I look at some of the struggles that some of my friends are going through in the housing projects, but have more joy in their lives than some people that have millions of dollars killing themselves, I say, look at the simplicity of their faith. Look at what brings them joy. Who am I to complain because I have a big Con Ed bill that's going to suck up most of my paycheck? Who am I to complain because I got to pay taxes or whatever else is coming up? Who am I to complain because, you know, doggone, it's time to change the tires, you know, get them rotated, which I never do, or whatever else, you know, we're supposed to be doing? Who am I to complain that I get tickets all the time in New Jersey and New York City and they want $65 or $100? I don't, I don't know what they are here, but, but I feel like it's street tax, you know, and I'm getting ripped off all the time because I wanted to go in the store and get a glass of water. We have to remember, and I just want to remind you, number one, have a robust prayer life. Seek after God. Seek after God like you've never done before. And remember that God is a rewarder. God will bless you with his presence. God shows up many times while I'm praying, and I feel the Holy Spirit coming all over my body. God is real. He wants to connect with us. He wants us to connect with him. If not, let me keep looking at that clock. I, I got a clock right here, Tony. Stay back. All right? So God will show up like this in very rich ways. And if it wasn't really that important, why would Jesus do all-night prayer? Why would Jesus be praying? Why would the disciples be showing up to an hour of prayer? So that's one thing I want you to take away. Pray, pray, pray. Second I want you to do is live out ministry. Be like the disciples. Go up to somebody poor. Give them some money. Ask them, not only give them a dollar, but say, how can I pray for you? You'd be surprised. Someone will turn to you and say, my dad died and I've never been able to get it straight after that. I met a guy on the, on, on a, I was going out at midnight to feed the homeless. And this guy told me that I was a professional golfer. He said, my dad died. I just have never been able to get my life right. And now I'm over here. I'm laying on, you know, 55th Street, begging for sandwiches. I, I'm just, I just can't pull it together. And I had compassion for him and prayed for him. And then lastly, keep people, somebody of a lower status, engaged in your life. Not every day. You have to be every day. Sometimes, hey, what you doing? I'm coming to see you. I'm coming to be around you. Why? Because I'm a disciple. And Jesus has called me to serve and to love and to be around those that are struggling and to be around those that are poor and to be around those that, that are helpless or destitute. Make ministry real. And I'm telling you, your life will be so much fuller, so much richer, such a blessing. Let us pray. Father God, I just thank you, Lord. Lord, you asked me to preach this word, God. And I pray that it would land on soft hearts, God. I pray it would land on the hearts of doers, God. I pray, Lord, that this word would bless 
each and every person that's here and prepare them for what they're going to face this week, God. Father, we humble ourselves under under the sight of the Lord, and we ask that you, Jesus, would lift us up. And it's in your awesome and incredible name we pray. Amen, 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 and amen.